Welcome to Dispatch in Depth, where we give you the stories behind the science of emergency dispatch. This is an official podcast of the International Academies of Emergency Dispatch, the world's leading authority in dispatch science. I'm your host, Becca Barris, writer and copy editor for the Journal of Emergency Dispatch. In each episode, we'll be bringing you stories of the fascinating people who work in this area. We'll give you their backstory, including how they got there, what they're working on, and what drew them to the field. These are people who represent the cutting edge in emergency dispatch, and I hope you'll join us to hear more about them. Welcome to Dispatch in Depth. Today, we have the wicked smart, wicked fun Tracy Eldridge talking about her company On Scene First, as well as good communication strategies inside and outside the comm center. She has over 25 years of experience in emergency response on both the public and private sides, and still serves as an on-call firefighter and EMT for her local department. With a passion for public speaking and mental health, Tracy has also been recognized nationally for her efforts to train about and bring awareness of PTSD in all public safety disciplines through conference training sessions, webinars, and keynote presentations. She is the proud recipient of the 2007 Jeff Grossman Telecommunicator of the Year Award, the 2018 Illinois Chapter of APCO Presidential Award, the 2018 Illinois Chapter of NINA Sponsorship Award, and the NG911 Institute 2020 Industry Professional of the Year. Her podcast, On Scene First with Tracy Eldridge, gives a stage to public safety difference makers to share their powerful stories of growth, perseverance, and leadership. Welcome, Tracy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I mean, thank you for coming on. You're a legend. You're absolutely I'm, I'm usually on the other side. So it's weird <laughs> to be like on this side. So I'm going to have to just sit and wait for the question. I know. I'm not going to throw any curveballs at you, though. This isn't that kind of podcast. Awesome. But I mean, I'm sure it's really nice not to have to, you know, write up all the questions and do all the prep work. Like you just get to rock up and be your awesome self. And that's what I love doing. And I love in the intro, you added my wicked because I started saying it and and that just became my thing. So it's funny. The A branding is strong. Me from that. <laughs> <laughs> so Tracy, very first, could you give a quick rundown of your career path? How did you get interested in first response? Uh, well, so when I was younger in high school, I well, even younger than that, I wanted to be a nurse. And so from a young age, I wanted to be a nurse. I went to a vocational school that had, you know, health careers, but we weren't exposed to emergency medicine. And I think for me, and, you know, we'll get into some of these things, but just for the way my brain works, I found it very challenging when we were being exposed to very slow paced care that was not my cup of tea. And so when I got out of high school, I ended up getting like a bachelor's degree and just, you know, different little things. Like I didn't know where I was going. And, and my dad had told me that he thinks I should be a police officer because he was a Boston police officer for many years. And he said, it's a secure job and, you know, you'll always be taken care of and it's not like they'll lay you off. And, and so I started looking locally for a police job, but we were not civil service. So many of the agencies around us, including our town, were just smaller, you know, police departments. So the neighboring town, Freetown, I went over there to ask if they were hiring police officers and they said, no, we're hiring dispatchers. And I was like, what's a dispatcher? So I was 26. So, so that was 
long time ago and they explained what a dispatcher was. You know, you take 911 calls, you dispatch police, fire, and EMS. And, and I was like, all right, let's, let's try this. Fast forward, I started part-time in Freetown, started part-time in the town where I live in Rochester, and I ended up becoming full-time in Rochester. And I was there for, for a while. About six years in, I took over the 911 center when the chief dispatcher left. And I had been there for 20 years. And I had reached a place where things were becoming challenging. And so I made the decision to leave the center, which was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. And I ended up at Rapid SOS and, and I took a, a pit stop there for about four years, accomplished what I set out to accomplish, bringing device-based location into 911. And in 2020, I left rapid SOS to start my own company. Cause that's what everybody does in the middle of a pandemic, right? Of course. Yeah. Their perfectly good job that they loved to pull the ripcord and start your own company. So that's kind of where I am at today. So in late 2020, I started on scene first. Let's jump right into it. Let's talk about on scene first. What is it, Tracy? What are your aims with on scene first? So when I was at Rapid SOS, in the beginning, I was kind of it. Like when I got hired, I was the only person on the public safety team for almost a year that was working full time. We had uh, Keith who was part time and then Reinhard oversaw it. And so I was traveling a lot, going to conferences and we were actually like gaining traction and, and engagement. And so with that, I was doing like all kinds of things. So I was in all kinds of different lanes. And as we grew as a company, you know, this lane was now occupied, this lane was occupied, this lane was occupied. And there were, I, I was trying to find my own lane. And to make sure that, and we'll talk about this too, I'm pretty sure, is to find my lane. What, whatever that lane was going to be, I had to be in the right lane. And there were moments where I felt like I, you know, had crossed over the double solid line and I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to be in that lane. I, I'm supposed to be over here. And so my boss at the time, Michelle, had suggested that I start a podcast. And it was hilarious because I, I was super excited because I am a people-driven person. And I told her I trained my entire life for this. I said, I used to interview my stuffed animals and I was determined that I was going to have a talk show one day. And so we start the motion to get towards the podcast and then COVID hit. So then we ran into some snafus there and, and I finally started the podcast. And there was this place where I realized there was there was more that I wanted to be offering 911. And it wasn't just location and data. I have a huge passion for technology that helps. Good technology, not not good, not good technology, but good technology that's going to help the call taker, help the caller. I had a huge passion for just bettering leadership. I, I've just had so much bad exposure to leaders that are responsible for the people in their care. Like we have a, a responsibility to those that we manage. And I mean, just, just think about it for one second. If you're the leader that is, you know, responsible for somebody going home and being mean to their family and miserable and checking out and hating everything about life, like maybe you shouldn't be in that position. 
And then obviously the other place I'm super passionate about is, is mental health and wellness. So I had hit this moment at Rapid SOS where I felt like I couldn't stay in this one lane. I, I was more like a drunk driver on a six lane highway where I needed to be able to march to the beat of my own drum. And, and I had a long conversation with, with my boss, Michelle, and she knew, she knew that it was time for me to kind of do what I wanted to do. I had wanted to start my own training company and consulting a while ago, like as I was leaving the center, but the timing wasn't right. Everything had to happen exactly the way that it did. So On Scene First became first a podcast and then my training and consulting company. And when folks ask me, what do I actually do there? My response is often whatever it is that I want. (laughs) So if it serves a good purpose and fits into my catchphrase for my company, saving lives on both sides of the call, then I will do it. If it doesn't, then I can say no and that's okay. That's delightful. As someone who has never been their own boss before, I find that both extremely freeing and terrifying that you're now like, I can do whatever I want. Do you feel oh, yeah. that? Especially having ADHD. Um, <laughs> that, that's super fun because there's a lot of things that you have to do as your own boss that, you know, frankly, I don't like doing. So I've had to get some help to help with some of the tasky things. And that's okay, too. Did you know you can actually ask for help? No. And the world will not spin off its access? I, that, that can't be right, Tracy. Like, you, you just totally have to do is. everything yourself, right? Like, no, 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 no aids. You can, you can actually ask for help. And, and it's super beneficial. Oh, my gosh. So we have to stop the podcast because that just blew my mind right open. That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> That's it. Episode over. That's, That's just ask for help. That was, and, that was the message that I wanted right? to deliver. You can ask for help and it's okay. <laughs> so part of your role at On Scene First is consulting agencies. Talk a little bit more about that. Talk about the DISC model of communication. Yeah. So if anyone's heard me speak in the last two or three years, maybe, maybe even more, because it's been about five years since I really wrapped my head around DISC. I was exposed to DISC in late 2016 at the Comm Center Manager class by Fitch and Associates, where we learned who we were. And if you don't know what the DISC human behavior model is, it's a quick assessment, just a few questions that ironically, those 20 questions or so identifies who you are almost instantly like like it's baffling and so i'll just stop here for a second because i sent you one of the assessments yeah did you notice like it literally spelled out exactly who you are yeah it was it was wild i felt a little called out in some parts of it and then other parts i was like oh yeah no that's me for sure it it encapsulated everything it was also really cool because it it was like here's how you act in group settings right like a group project and stuff and then it's like if you're left to your own devices you're more likely to do this which i thought was really valuable so, and, and what you're referring to is your basic style versus your environmental style. So in your basic style, you're actually reserved, mm-hmm. but in your environmental, you're, you're outgoing. And it's funny because a lot of folks don't realize that there are two very drastic sides. So I too, so I'm primarily outgoing. I know that's a shocker. <laughs> I'm primarily outgoing, but my secondary is, is reserved. But at the end of the day, I am all people driven. So you're either outgoing or reserved, task driven or people driven. So I am outgoing, reserved and people driven. So 
tasks are, are really a challenge for me, but until I was able to, so go back to, to CCM, when we did the assessments, it was, it was really cool for them to say, oh, you're an outgoing people person. But it was kind of like a novelty then. It was like, oh, this is fun. And then, you know, we learned a little bit about ourselves and where we could have, you know, some blind spots and, and things that might be frustrating to others or how we might act in, in our comm center. And then I put it on the shelf because it was about the time that I was getting ready to leave the center and there were other things I needed to focus on. And then fast forward to early 2019, I was heading out to California with Rapid SOS and our team had grown very quickly. So, so we had a lot of very strong personalities come in in a very short period of time. And just for me as a people person in general, I really value what people think and feel about me. And you know, there were some relationships that were feeling a little uncomfortable. And I was like, why is this? Like, I couldn't figure out why some of the relationships were like, it, it was almost like it took a lot of work, right? And so when I went to San Diego, I met who is now my coach and has been for five years, Gord McFarlane. And he started one of his presentations, one of the very first slides he put up and it said, that people don't do things to you, they do them for themselves, sometimes you get in the way. Mm. And I was like, what did he just say? And he said, let me say that again. And I'm thinking, good, because I need what, for some reason, it, it caught me off guard. And, and in that moment, there was this just a trajectory that that launched where I needed to learn as much about DISC as I could. So I have, over the last few years, I am, I'm now a level two certified consultant, personality insights, where I am able to come into 911 centers and do the DISC assessments. So the DISC assessments that we provide have that basic and environmental style. It gives you your strengths and your blind spots, things that you need to work on. And so under mine, it's like, you need to focus on detail. You need to, you know. <laughs> You're like, no thanks. Think, pass. <laughs> think, think before you act. Uh, no, uh, I am like a ready, fire, aim person, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. I'm impulsive and I execute quickly. But what I also found is that it really helped me understand that you know, we're all different. I, and I know most people know we're all different, but to really be better at our intentional relationships, right? So if I know that I'm an I style, which is that outgoing people, and I'm going to have a conversation or work on a project with a D style, and a D style is, is outgoing task. And the funny part about the D and the I is there are places where we are very similar and then there are places where we are very different. And so it creates this push and pull, right? So my goal at the end of the day is, is to really help folks first understand themselves, right? Because like, okay, I know that I talk a lot. But what a lot of people don't realize is that that has been something for me my entire life, that things have been said negatively about it. I had issues in school with it and, you know, folks will make jokes about it. But what they don't realize is that when certain things are said, it actually had affected my self-esteem to the point where when somebody says something 
about me talking too much, it almost immediately shuts me down. And then I'm not going to talk at all. Right. And so what I do in these assessments is I will go into the 91 center and we will do disc assessments on the entire team. And then I will also do a, like a, an agency leadership survey, kind of getting a pulse check on all the things in the center, the hiring, the training, quality assurance, policies and procedures, mental health and wellness. How are you feeling in the center? Do you feel valued? One of the other things that we do in this assessment is we identify the leaders in the center. So whether it's a supervisor, director, deputy director, and then the really important piece, because a lot of agencies are the same when it comes to policies and procedures, like, yeah, we need to update our policies or we need to have policies, quality assurance. Yeah, it's okay, but we're a little behind. What I'm finding is, so I, I've done this assessment on probably nine centers at this point. And what I'm realizing is that most of our centers are very similar. Some are having a lot of really challenging times when it comes to the people that they're working for and with. So as far as the leader part of the survey goes, one of the first questions I ask is, if it was me, it would say, as a leader, Tracy is one of the best I've ever had. I've had worse, I've had better, or she has a lot of work to do. The next question is, is Tracy a task-driven leader or a people-driven leader or a task and people-driven leader? And where we really want folks to be is task and people. That means you're going to get the things done that have to get done, but you're going to do it in a way that your folks feel supported and valued, right? And then the next few questions are, you know, what are at least one of Tracy's best leadership qualities? What's at least one thing Tracy should keep doing? What should Tracy stop doing? And what should Tracy start doing? And while this information is really challenging to hear, I have found that each agency that I've worked with has been really receptive to it. And there's actually been a few relationships that have been uh, repaired because of it. And, and so to be able to help fix kind of the mindset and the morale and, and just better relationships has been beyond rewarding for me. Because I know that's one of the biggest challenges. It's a hard job anyway. And then to have to deal with stuff at work that isn't comfortable, it's been super educational. I'm learning a lot, but folks are really receptive to it and, and I'm glad. So then I teach them about the DISC. I go to the agency after all the assessments and I teach them about DISC. So they really have an understanding. And it's funny because a lot of folks in the class, at the end of the class, I have the QR code for a DISC assessment for a family member. <laughs> and so many people are you know, and I have to charge a little bit for it because I have to pay for them too, but they're asking for it for their spouses or their, you know, their significant others or the kids. Like, I want to know who they are, you know, because it's helpful in any aspect. It's, it's not just in the 911 center. And then once I have completed all the assessments and the training, then I provide a written report. And, and so those, those reports have all of the individual information in it for each one of the folks. And some of them are about 50 pages and one that I just recently did ended up being almost a hundred pages. So it's a lot, but it's super valuable. It is. It's so valuable. I mean, especially because you're such a, a people focused person. 
that to be able to go in and say, you know, I, I helped nine centers. Sure, that's the task part, right? But you are valuing like the relationships that you've helped repair. Yes. One of the things we talked about in our, our call before this, we were talking about task-driven people versus people-driven people, right? Yep. How they view things differently, how they view projects differently. And so if you are going before your boss, who is, you know, pretty task driven, you're not going to be like, I made this really great connection with this caller the other day about such and such. They're going to be like, okay, but how many calls did you take? What's your compliance level like? Yeah. Yeah. And neither of those mindsets is bad, which is like, Tracy, I'm going to, I'm going to be real with you for a minute. As a human being, I feel like the lesson that I need to learn like over and over and over again is like two things can be true at the same time. And it's so hard because I want to be right all the time. I love that. (laughs) I want my people driven like connection view of the world. I want that to be the correct one. And everyone else with other other brains need to change their minds. But that's just not how it works. So this is really valuable in changing how you approach other people, changing how you approach different relationships. So let's talk about how people focused and task focused. How does that look in the dispatch center? Right. Because I think a lot of people, when they think of 911, they're thinking, oh, you know, you take X many calls. And if you know a little bit more about the field, they're going to be like, oh, you want your compliance level to be here. Whereas people driven people are going to say, "Okay, like. I don't really care what my compliance level is. I don't really care how many calls I took. I care about the connections I made and the differences I made. Yeah. And and I would, and I, and I go back and say, you know, and I know using the word, you don't care. It, we care, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Sorry. It's the, just a different the, the priority. It, yeah. And that's exactly what it is. So when you look at the disc, it's, there's two things that are being measured, pace and priority right? So pace is outgoing or reserved and it's fast and slow. So outgoing folks, we do everything fast. We're we're not thinking things through. We're impulsive. We execute things very quickly. We don't always like look at the big picture down the road. And then the more reserved folks, they do things slower, right? And it's not to say they're they're slow, but it's, I'm going to think about this rationally. So the C style, which is, which is reserved task, they are getting all the facts and the details and they are not making a decision until they know for a fact like if if you're going to buy a car with a c style chances are you are you are going to a lot of different places me i get to the dealership it's shiny it's it's flashy it has a good radio i'm like i'm in well how much does it get for the gallon i i don't know and i personally i don't care do do i look good in it is it nice like (laughs) right is it fun is it flashy and then you have an S style, which is which is reserved people, and they are not going to make a decision for a lot of times. They're not even going to make the decision because they do not want to let anybody down and they do not want to upset the apple cart. So now you go to dinner, you're, you're getting ready to go to dinner with an S style and it's like, where do you want to go? I don't care. Right. It's yeah. like and you, oh, yeah. you're, you're an S style. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah. Well, I was thinking Chinese and it's like, well, you, I, you don't want Chinese, but you're not going to tell them that you don't want Chinese. You're just going for Chinese. And so when you take each one and realize, so a D style who is dominant, direct, demanding, you know, they're very task driven. They need an end game. Like, like, I don't need all the details in the middle. Just how are you going to get here? How are you going to get it done? Well, for me, I'm an I style. I'm a verbalizer. 
So when you have a D style, when an I is telling a story to a D style, that D just wants you to get from A to Z. That's it. Like, I don't care about all the details. But as an I, I'm putting in the details. And, you know, instead of going from A to Z, I'm like A, B, C, D, E, F, O, G, where where was I? What was I talking about? (laughs) And now they want to wring my neck. And then they start doing things like motioning with their hands and saying, you know, can you just get to the point? And and when you say that to somebody like me, you've just said your words don't matter and I really don't care what you have to say. Or, you know, and this has been super helpful with me and my husband as well, because he's a very reserved person. He's reserved and I'm not, right? So he's the calm to my chaos. But I will say something And he will say, okay, and then I'll continue to explain it. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, no, but listen. And he's like, no, but I got it. And it's like, but now I know it's like, just let me get it out of my head. Because if I don't get my thought out and across, it's going to bounce around in there like a ping pong ball. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get nothing done. So to really have an understanding of, of what each person's pace and priority is, we can now have a better understanding of how to approach this this task. If I'm going to work on a project with you and it's going to be more than a few times, I'm going to send you a disk assessment. Why? Because I want to know how I can add value to this working relationship. If you ask me to do things with a spreadsheet, old Tracy, would have said, yep, okay, I'll do it. Why? Because that, that girl's a people pleaser and she knows she can do it and she's gonna do it, but she's gonna stress doing it. She's probably gonna make mistakes doing it. Then she's gonna let the person down and she's gonna feel horrible. New Tracy knows that spreadsheets are not her jam. And if you want to put me in this lane over here, then we're going to do much better. But if you want somebody to do numbers and spreadsheets and repetitive tasks, we're going to go ahead and pass that on to somebody else. And then everybody's happy. Yeah. And that's so valuable. Again, it's so valuable in a working environment, especially in the dispatch center where things are so high stress anyway. And having center culture on top of that be just, you know, it could be better, right? You you could improve on it It, or, you know, maybe it's really, really toxic because you're all just talking past each other and your priorities, they're not as different as you think they are. And so this assessment is really helpful in helping realign. You can get to the same ending. You're just going to get there differently. Right. And so to really like one of the things that comes to mind in one of the centers that I did, a manager in the center was reserved and outgoing. So they're reserved first and outgoing. And what happened was, so I know for myself, I like, I get excited about things. And so if all of a sudden I have, it, it never fails. Right. And this is part of ADHD as well is I have 15 things that I should be doing right now, right? So so I got all these emails open and I'm like, I have to do this, I have to do that. When you have to do anything with my type of personality, it's it's not fun and, and we will more work to avoid it, right? And then all of a sudden I'll be like, you know what? Oh, I wanna have, I wanna have a dispatch 
appreciation event. And so the five things that I was supposed to be doing have now gone. They're gone. They're in a black abyss. I don't even know. I don't even know where they go. They're just, they're just gone. But now I am hyper focusing on creating a dispatcher appreciation event and I will not stop until I have every single detail. So imagine being in the 9-1 center, working with somebody who likes to talk about things, but doesn't always finish or execute those things. So there's two things that I, I like to share with folks is number one, if you are the talker, if you're the one that gets excited and you're the one that wants to like say, oh, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, we're gonna do that, I need you to pause and I need you to use the acronym WAIT. W-A-I-T, why am I talking, <laughs> right? So am I talking because I'm excited? Am I talking because this is actually gonna come to fruition? Am I talking just because I wanna get them excited too and like me? Why am I gonna say these words? And by asking myself that question, it's like, because what I learned in my center and I learned with a lot of these assessments that I've been doing is that we have lots of folks that behave this way that they will come in and say, oh, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this, but they're only giving little pieces to people and then they run with it and then nothing gets executed because as soon as you're done talking about it, it's gone, it went, it went where all that other task stuff went. And so to be able to teach folks that number one, if, if you're the person that gets excited, you need to wait a minute, ask yourself, why are you talking? If I give this information, can it be, prematurely out there cause discontent and then if you're the person that is on the receiving end of it like you've asked somebody to do something for you and they haven't yet i always say give them grace could be somebody like me that needs a little reminder once in a while but then you have folks that get so set in their ways like no i shouldn't have to remind them they should know but the thing is is knowing that other people's brains work differently than yours there are needs that they need and there's needs that you need. And to be able to really work towards having that understanding, it has no choice but to change the way that we kind of look at each other, right? Yeah, right, exactly. And to go back to the idea of, I shouldn't have to remind them. It's like, well, listen, it's not a perfect world. Like communicating is something that we're going to have to do forever and ever. And so let's, I love that you said, give each other grace. Let's give each other grace. Let's learn each other's brains and personalities and let's let's work together because that's literally what we're here to do. Well, and one of the things too is, is I've had a couple of experiences and I often use, <laughs> I use this story with my daughter as one of my examples. So her high school boyfriend, she was with somebody for like three years in high school. So she's a very outgoing people person and he's a very reserved task. <laughs> so they are opposites, right? And I remember it was his senior year. She was a junior, he was a senior. And she says, mom, he hasn't asked me to the prom yet. And I'm like, he's not going to. And she's like, why not? And I'm like, because you've been together for three years. And in his mind, why does he have to ask you? And so she just looked at me, she goes, but he needs to do like a promposal and all of a sudden, and I'm like, it is not going to happen because boxes are checked, right? Like, oh, there's a prom, check. We've been together for three years, check. I wouldn't go with anybody else, check. And she's like, I need a promposal, check. And he needs to be all, you know, 
fun and exciting. No, he's not fun and exciting. Not fu- not fun and exciting, <laughs> but he's just not that. T- that's not his personality. And so I had to kind of go to him and say, "Hey, can you at least ask her?" And he was like, "And we had talked about this because they were so opposite that that he said to me one day, and I just thought this was." super profound coming from a teenager, right? He goes, why do I always have to go to her? Why can't she come to my side? And I said, no, I said, I'm gonna fix what I just said is you need to meet in the middle. Yes. I said, if you think about it, all I said to you was, could you ask her? I didn't say go get like a hot air balloon and like throw sprinkles from the sky. I said, could you ask her if I was expecting you to go all the way to her side, which is super challenging, then I would have said, Hey, can you do a promposal? Like we'll, we'll figure out this big elaborate thing and I'll help you and all that stuff. And knowing that's not where he feels comfortable. Right? So I say it in all my classes. Every time I teach this stuff, we need to get better at meeting in the middle. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I see on like memes all the time, right? It'll be like, I'm not intimidating, you're intimidated. I'm not gonna change who I am, blah, blah. And it's like, I want people to be able to be direct because I can't be, I'm not, I will will sugarcoat it. I will fluff the edges, like I'm gonna hug you and squeeze you and call you George. But there are times that I really want to and need to be direct and I just don't have that. So I really think there, there is times and places where folks, kind of need to be more direct or be able to stand up for themselves. But I also feel like you can do that in a way that is not, you're not being a big fat jerk, right? You can do it in a way, I I can be assertive, but it's not aggressive. I can be direct and it's not blunt and it's not hurtful or hateful. So I'm all for folks that have the ability to do that, but I'm also all for having a consideration to know that yeah, my feelings can easily get hurt. And the task-driven folks, they don't love emotion. They, they don't like when people cry. They don't like when, you know, they're using words like, I think I feel, right? And, and so if you don't want me to do those things, then you have to meet me in the middle. And maybe this message could be a little softer. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's so amazing. It's so wild. The things that you learn and it like opens up your entire vision. You feel like you're in the matrix and you're like, oh, I understand now. Right. And like you can you can look back at past interactions and say, I maybe could have moved a little bit there. Right. Like. Right. Like no one was necessarily wrong in this situation. We were just in the way of each other. Yeah. And you were both focusing on a, like, go, like, honestly, go back and think of like, in, in whoever's listening, go back and think of the last misunderstanding you had, right? Think about who the person was. Are they outgoing? Are they reserved? Are they task or are they people? Right? So now you take that, whatever the disagreement was and look at what the crux of it was. Look at, look at where the issue was. And you could probably see the path that if, I am super customer service, kindness, right? And so if I'm working with a coworker and they're like screaming into the phone at a caller and they're being short and disrespectful, that's going to be morally damaging to me. Like I'm going to be really upset about that, right? And so 
if that's a task driven person and I'm a people driven person and we come together and have this conversation and that task driven person is be like, yeah, well, they weren't listening and I had to ask the questions and I'm like, I would be like, right, but they're calling you on the worst day of their life, right? And and yes, I know you need to calm them down, but it can be done in a different way. And so you see, they're they're following the procedure. They got I got to ask the questions. Well, sometimes you have to have that patience or try to get them to calm down a little more. So when you see two different paths, go back to that last misunderstanding you had, and I think you'll see the differences in the argument that you're having right is it is it somebody that's hell-bent on following the rules or worrying about how it's going to affect people and how they're going to feel and a lot of people don't like that f word that's an f word feelings they don't love that let's go back to you were talking about how you can't be direct not not that you can't be direct but that's not your natural inclination right so you'll sugarcoat things and you'll kind of beat around the bush do you have any advice for people who need to advocate for themselves because everyone needs to advocate for themselves, you know, in their relationships, in their jobs. How do you advocate for yourself in a way that is not going to put other people off of you? If you're extremely direct, if you're not direct. Yeah, that's a great question. And I can probably sum it up in in just this little piece of it. Go back to knowing who you're dealing with, right? So if I'm dealing with a dominant direct personality and I'm using words like I think I feel that really bothered me when you did that versus could you not speak to me that way? If I say to that person, could you not speak to me that way? Or I would appreciate it if you didn't speak to me that way versus I'd rather you not speak to me that way because it makes me feel like, because as soon as you put the opposite spin on it, that's where it becomes uncomfortable. Being able to share my feelings in a way that is not feely is very challenging for, for many folks. Sometimes avoidance is the quickest and most comfortable for many folks, especially reserved people, people like, ah, it's okay. Like you can just walk all over me and I'll just let it go. But I think the first thing that you have to really start working on when you're trying to swing over to the other side is doing it in a way that it is not going to be so boldly out of character for you. And so if you're a reserved people person and somebody asks you to do something, you're probably going to say yes, but when you get to that place where you're going to you're going to start saying no to some things, you just say no. And I think what happens is, myself included, and I don't I, I do it sometimes, but not as dramatically and elaborately as I used to. Is I never used to be able to say no without giving 7,000 reasons why I can't do the thing. Mhm. I now, if something's not going to fit in, if it's not in my wheelhouse, if it's not something I feel comfortable doing, very short to the point answers is okay. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that at this time. That's it. Like, that's direct, right? But for me, when I think of direct, it's like, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, that's not just direct. Direct isn't being mean. Direct is 
being direct, getting to the point of the thing. Because as soon as you start adding things and making excuses, the task-driven folks loathe excuses. But then you think of somebody like me that isn't saying these things for it to be an excuse. It's for me to make sure you're not upset with me. Yeah, because that's the priority is the relationship between the two of you. Yep. So somebody who's on the task side, if I say to you, oh my God, I am so sorry. I forgot to take care of that because the task driven person is like, I don't need your excuses. And then I'm like, no, they're not excuses. Like, I just don't want you to be upset with me. I don't want you to think that I intentionally forgot. Right. See the difference. Mm -hmm. So it's not really it's on my side. It's not an excuse, but to their side, it's an excuse. So I know now if I'm dealing with a task driven person and I've screwed something up, which I do, I'm just going to say, sorry, I missed that deadline. This is what you can expect. And I think really having an understanding of, of folks and their capabilities and, and where their strong suits are and see them in the light of their true potential, right? One of the things that, you know, one of the slides I have in every one of my classes is go forth at the end, go forth and stop expecting you from everybody else. Oh, I like <laughs> right? that. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be like you. You're not going to, we might have some similarities. We might be on the same page in some areas. But if I expected everybody to be, which I, which we do, right? Mm -hmm. Human nature, we do that sometimes. We will, you know, ultimately say things like, why can't they just? Yes. Because they can't, because they can't. Why can't you just get that in on time? Because hmm, I can't, because I can't have a set deadline. I need to have a, like a roving. I have, I can't give it to you on the first of the month, but I can give it to you on the first week of the month. Because I got to have some wiggle room in there to watch four hours of meerkat videos. Oh, meerkats are so great, Tracy. I know what I'm doing after this call. Like, just immediately going to look it up. meerkat videos. Tracy, this has been just a delight. It's been a cornucopia of, like, tips and laughs and just a wonderful time. What is one thing that you would like listeners to take away from this episode? To do? To think about? Oh, this one's easy. See, a lot of folks, you like, you'll think, and, and here, here's what it is. Our entire lives, we were taught to live by the golden rule, right? So the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. And I have a real good understanding now that the lie detector determined that's a lie. And while I want people to be kind, because I'm going to be kind to people and I want them to be kind, there's actually something called the platinum rule. And the platinum rule is treat others the way they want to be treated. Because if I treated you the way I wanted to be treated, then I'd be pulling you up on stage and like we would be celebrating. And, and for some, that's very uncomfortable, right? Or I would, you know, want you to come to a concert with me and I'd, I want you at a wedding dancing on the tables with me. If I treated you the way I wanted to be treated, I want you up on the table with me when in reality, you're just fine sitting under the table and not seeing anybody, Correct. right? No one looking at me. If there was one thing that I could share with folks, I, I would love for them to learn about the platinum rule and let's get better at truly understanding who the people are in, in our worlds and, and try to just have a little bit more grace and understanding that not everybody's like us and, and it's okay. I mean, I love that. I think that's what I'm going to title this episode, the platinum rule with Tracy Eldridge. 
I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Listeners, we will have relevant links in the show notes. You can go to On Scene First. The website is onscenefirst.com, I believe. Yeah. And if you have any questions, if you want to get in touch, if you have topics that you would like us to discuss on the podcast, email us at dispatchindepth at emergencydispatch.org. And Tracy, we're going to have you back on later. So we will talk with you soon, hopefully. All right. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate all the things that you guys do. Thanks for listening to Dispatch in Depth. Remember, it really helps if you rate and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dispatch in Depth is hosted by me, Becca Barris. I'm also the technical director and producer, and Matthew Maiko is the executive producer. 